It's Wednesday, May 26, 2021. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable, brought to you tonight by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA, and Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight, along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesko. And hey, Chet, the Sixers opened their series with a nice win against the Wizards with Game 2 starting as we speak. The Phillies have been really struggling in all phases of the game, but they're still very much in the hunt. There's some excitement coming out of the NovaCare po- complex. That's good. And Phil Nichols- Mickelson defied Father Time, as Jim Nance said Sunday, by winning a major. Still plenty going on in sports. Always is, Bill. Uh, you know, I'm excited about the 76ers postseason run having started. I'm hoping it's a, a long run, maybe going well into July. That would be pretty wild. As for the Phils, I'm just hoping they get things figured out by July and that they have some you know, healthy players by then because they're a little banged up right now, uh, sooner than July, ideally. And, you know, Bill, Memorial Day weekend is fast approaching. I'm looking forward to that as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it as well. And uh, a lot going on in the sports world. And, hey, Chet, I, I didn't mention this in the opening, but uh, have you been watching any NHL playoff hockey? I honestly have not. I, I don't even know what's going on. I I haven't watched one stinking minute of the NHL hockey with the Flyers not playing. Well, we'll, we'll get to this a little bit later. Uh, not not in this show, but in another show. But as as you watch, and I haven't watched a ton of it. The two series I have watched a little bit of uh, are the, is the Capital Series and the uh, Lightning and the Panthers playing the Panthers and. Uh, Man, I'll tell you what, when you watch these series, you it makes you wonder about the Flyers and how far away yeah. they might actually be because these teams are good, they're physical, they're big, and uh, they have good goaltending. Yeah, I know. It's going to be a long offseason for the Flyers. Hey, do me a favor and uh, talk about the Eagles or whatever. I have to discuss something with our, uh, our guest and uh, get him straightened oh. out, so I'll be okay. right back. All right, sounds good. Hey, speaking of the Eagles, we were going to talk about that a little bit later on, but a lot of good news coming out of the uh, Novacare Complex and Nick Seriani's uh, uh, initial mini camp. A lot of uh, a lot of good words coming. Uh, Brandon Graham, I think, probably put it best of everyone, where he said that this is like a young Andy Reid camp going on, and uh, I'm going to take that as a good thing because those players really respect Andy Reid. And what he's done. So uh, interesting coming from from Seriani. He seems like he is a real good players coach at this point. Um, and a, a quote he had, and I happen to have it right in front of me. We had some really good conversations with our players. Some of them are team leaders about the offseason program. I've always believed it's important to have open communication with your team. And it's really been helpful for us as a staff to put together an offseason program. You have to like that starting out, whether uh, – you know, whether he's got enough horses to win, it's a real good start, I think, for some positive things over at the Novacare Complex. And uh, the, the disappointing thing, I guess, from, from the Eagles' standpoint is it looks like they've come out with two open practices is all there's going to be this uh, this spring, getting ready for this summer, getting ready for the season. Only two. And, uh, you know, it's a shame for us older guys, that well, even younger, too, that that got to go to Westchester, got to go to Widener, and got to go to Lehigh and and those places. And uh, now you only get one or two practices at the uh, at Lincoln Financial Field. So uh, that's a shame. We're going to talk a lot of Sixers tonight, of course. And uh, our guest, Chris Wheeler, will be joining us. I guess Chet is trying to take care of some technical issues to get Wheels with us. Uh, but we'll certainly be talking Phillies. A lot going on there. Vince Velasquez has uh, stepped it up and looks like, uh, for now, he's your your number four starter and uh, has pitched really well. Beautiful game last night. And the bullpen actually did what they were supposed to do. We'll talk to Wheels about that. Bryce Harper being hurt, uh, finally put on the disabled li- or injured list. Uh, that's not good. So um, we'll see how that works out. What we need is we need Harper, Real Muto, and DeGregorius back because it looked like a triple-A roster 
last night, but they were able to uh, pull out a nice 2 nothing win. Uh, Reese Hoskins playing well, hitting the ball well, uh, hitting uh, in home runs. That's good. Andrew McCutcheon's still struggling. Uh, Alex Balma is really struggling. And uh, Odubel Herrera, been a, been a jolt for the team offensively, and they sure need that. And Odubel was in the leadoff spot last night. I know the game just started uh, a few minutes ago in tonight's game. I don't know where Odubel is in the lineup, but he has certainly helped them out in that center field spot. And uh, whether he's the leadoff hitter or not, Andrew McCutcheon was certainly struggling in that leadoff spot. So we're going to hit wheels up with all that bullpen. Uh, good last night. Hector Nerez uh, with a nice close. Only get two hits and get a win. Got to do that. Mets playing good ball. What's a little bit misleading, I think, with the Mets, and again, we'll talk to Wheels about this, is uh, the lead looks close. You know, the standings look close, but uh, the Mets have seven games in hand due to COVID. So, you know, if you win five of those games, all of a sudden that game and a half lead becomes three or three and a half games. So, um you know, it's not quite as close as it looks. Mets are having good pitching, so we'll see how that plays out. Uh, certainly, we're going to talk Sixers uh, with with Chet tonight. Uh, Tobias Harris with a fantastic game on Sunday. The big three of Harris, Embiid, and Simmons uh, playing great. And but I had I had to laugh at the at some of the Philly faithful that uh, you know questioning that <laughs> Tobias only had two assists. The man did everything but but mop the floor after the game. He was fantastic. So uh, Embiid was great as well. And uh, and Ben Simmons, 0 for 6 at the foul line, certainly not good enough. But uh, 15 points of 15, or 15 rebounds and 15 assists in any game is fantastic. And, you know, and fans coming back uh, crushing Simmons as well because – he only scored a handful of points. So we're going to get into a lot of that whole Ben Simmons talk later on, Bill. But yep. uh, remember when we had Ray Fossey on? We had some technical issues on yep. his end. Uh, yeah, we're having trouble getting Chris Wheeler to connect. But let's give this a go. And uh, he's going to be coming through my phone and into my microphone. So, Chris Wheeler, how are you, my man? Bill, you got a question for Wheels? Yeah, hey, hey uh, first of all, uh, can you put your phone on speakerphone so we can hear? Would that work better? Because we're having yeah, a little trouble here in wheels. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, but my question for Chris uh, is that fifth spot uh, certainly looks like it's it's a problem right now. Yeah. Uh, do you have? Do they show some patience with Spencer Howard? Let him run out there a handful of times and uh, and get better rather than uh, try to move along with. Uh, well, they got rid of Matt Moore. Just trying to fill this in with uh, with someone else. Go ahead and give Spencer Howard as many starts as they can. Yeah, Wheels, Bill wants to know about Spencer Howard. I mean, we saw him the other day. He went just uh, three innings, and he was actually, I guess, winded in the third inning. So what is the approach with Spencer Howard now? He's a young guy, and yet, uh, you know, you couldn't go more than 30 pitches. So what do you do about Spencer Howard? Guys, they, he ran to first base, and then he couldn't. his velocity went down five miles per hour in the next inning. I don't understand it. Um, he's obviously had a problem in his brief career in that um, his velocity keeps going down at certain times. Uh, it just it just doesn't seem to work out for him that he goes past two or three innings and all of a sudden his velocity's gone. So that that's one of those things they're going to have to figure that out. You know, whether he has a shoulder problem that's going to be ongoing, whether he has some kind of a stamina endurance thing. Uh, but I never heard I've never heard of anything like that before. Look, I've seen pitchers hit a home run. And then go out there the next inning and be gassed when they get out there because they're so excited, all the emotion of the thing. And you can kind of understand that sometimes that can happen. But this seems to be an ongoing thing with him, uh, Bill and Chet. And I, they're going to have to figure, you know, they're going to have to figure that out with him because, you know, you watch him for an inning and he's electric. Now, of course, right away people say, well, put him in the bullpen, make him the closer. You know how far that is from where he is right now to do something like that? So I don't know what the answer is. Yeah, I hear you. Well, speaking of pitching, uh, a couple of weeks ago, Chris, we had Brian Michael from Phillies Nation on, and I asked him whether he thought Aaron Nola was a true ace, and kind of surprisingly to me, he said yes, and I should have challenged him on it more because, well, shame on me, but I don't think he is an, or has been 
Uh, the last couple of seasons, you know, he faded down the stretch. He's been inconsistent this year. If there's a true number one on this staff, I think it's Zach Wheeler. So settle that debate for us, Wheels. Well, he is right now. There's no doubt about that, that Zach Wheeler is. You know, I've always been kind of wary of that term, an ace. Um, you know, Aaron Nola, when he was signed by the Phillies, was deemed a guy who was going to be a two or three in the league. Uh, starter in the league, and he was also deemed by the organization as a pitcher who probably had a chance to get to the major leagues the fastest because of his experience at LSU and what a great program that was and the big games he pitched in. And I don't know that I'm right, but I'm pretty. I think it's pretty close that that's what happened. That he was the first uh, early pitcher of that class to get to the major leagues and pitch effectively in the major leagues. So you know, to call somebody an ace. How many of them are nowadays that you do that? I think people get involved in some silly arguments sometimes about whether this guy's an ace or that guy's an ace or who cares. What you want is somebody that goes out there and can keep you in games, game after game, pitch six, seven innings, because that's what they expect out of them nowadays. Uh, right now, if you were to look at the best pitcher and you want to call him an ace on the Phillies, it's Zach Wheeler. But to, to, uh, sometimes people disparage Aaron Nola's ability. This guy is still a heck of a major league pitcher. Bill? Hey, hey Wills, uh, you know, we always assume when we're talking about the Phils over the last few years that uh, Bryce Harper is going to get his. Uh, as we sit here now, he's injured. He's presently seventh on the team tied with Brad Miller in runs batted in. Uh and, and has not looked very good at the plate for most of the season. Reason to be concerned yet? You hear the question about Bryce Harper. Should we be concerned about him, Wheels? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm always concerned when a guy can't play, especially a guy that wants to play as much as this guy does. Now, you don't be concerned that he gets streaky sometimes and he strikes out for a week because he's done that in his career. That's, that's Harper. And then, you know, he gets really, really hot. And he can do so many things because he walks so much. Um, but was he in this current uh, funk that he was in? Hey, he's really been in a little bit of a funk since he got hit in the face. And he's not the first guy to go into a funk when they get hit in the face. Now, did that have anything to do with it? They're saying there's something wrong with his arm. Um, I was at the game in Dunedin that night when he had to come out and uh, he was favoring his shoulder, evidently. Now they're saying there's something wrong with his forearm in the area where he put it up to protect himself when that ball hit him. Uh, I, boy, that's a tough thing to answer. Uh, but I think probably they're doing the right thing is let him sit for 10 days, a week to 10 days, get healthy, get healthy mentally, get healthy physically, and then come back and do what he can do. He's a tremendous player. He's been a tremendous player since he's been with the Phillies, but he's always been streaky. And he, it would catch him once in a while when you could strike him out six, seven times in a series. And then you catch him where he gets seven hits and four of them would be home runs, something like that. So that's what he is. And to think he's going to change this because you change uniforms, he's the same guy. Yeah. All right. Uh, getting back to pitching, uh, I want to talk about the bullpen. It's certainly better than last year's dumpster fire, but it's still far from elite also. I do think there are guys there who have a lot of potential to continue to get better. How do you like the makeup of this bullpen? Well, you just said it's better. And the thing that's disappointing is Kinsler, because I thought I really thought Kinsler was going to be a great bridge to some of the other guys that they have, because that's what he's been his whole career, and he's really been good. He throw, you know, he's not the the new wave of going out there and throwing ninety eight, striking out the side. He's a put it in play guy, and when you're a put it in play guy out of the bullpen, you don't want them late in the game if you can avoid it. You want to bring them in, uh, you know, to get some ground balls or maybe even get a double play in the middle of an inning. He's been the most disappointing. The other one's Bradley because he got hurt right away. And since he's come back, his velocity evidently has been down and he hasn't been the same guy. Um, Coonrad's been a, a, a pretty good find. He's, you know, he's one of these power guys that can strike a lot of guys out. Alvarado, flip a coin. You don't know who's showing up on a given night. When the good one shows up like last night, oh, man, he's really fun to watch, and he's nasty to hit off. When the bad one shows up, you know, you're glad if you're sitting behind home plate and there's a screen there because that's he's just all over the place. I saw him flexing his left hand during the game a few times. And uh, I remember I texted Tom McCarthy and those guys, I told him, hey, he's got something's wrong with his left hand. They took him out of the game. And that thing has been bothering him ever since. And I haven't heard any more about Didi with that, you know, whatever is causing his elbow to swell up. And those are three very, very important offensive players. You know, Didi's a 
Yeah, okay, shortstop, but he can hit. Heck, he's hit a lot of grand slams in his career in the last few years. So to say that is it important to get him back? You're going to get him back, number one. I hope so. You're going to get him back. And number two, is it important? You bet it's important because hmm. those are three, uh, you know, quality major league players who have been through some wars and know how to win. Nope. Yeah, I'm back. We lost you there, Chet, for a minute. Um, hey, Wheels, what do you think? Here we are. We're not even to June 1st yet. We have eight no-hitters in Major League Baseball. Um, what do you What do you make of all that? I have a theory, but I want to hear yours. Yeah, all the no-hitters, Wheels. What do you think? Why? I don't get that. That's You know, you know it, every once in a while you have a fluke for a guy. But, you know, one of my best friends in the game a long time ago is a guy named George Culver is one of our pitching. He yeah. played for us and was our pitching instructors and all that. And George, he pitched a major league no-hitter, and Steve Carlton did so you go, well, you know, they're flukes. For me to tell you what's going on right now, that you can have all these no-hitters already, uh, and I'm not saying, you know, hey, you're a major league pitcher, you got a chance to do anything. But from guys you never even heard of, uh, and all of a sudden they're going out there throwing no-hitters, there's something wrong with the game offensively to have that happen. Uh, and I'm not trying to take anything away from these guys that are throwing no-hitters because it's really hard to do. Obviously, it's hard to do by the numbers that have been pitched in the history of the game. But something's a little funky right now to have this many no-hitters by guys coming out of nowhere and throwing them. Well, Wheels, that's exactly where I wanted to go uh, in terms of you know what's happening with baseball right now. In the state of the game, uh, all the no-hitters, strikeouts galore, nine or more, more per game, per team. The Phillies won last night uh, with a whopping two hits. Thankfully, they got the Reese Hoskins home run. As of yesterday, the average overall batting average for Major League Baseball was 237. So what the heck is going on, Wheels? Well, there's a lot of theories on it, Chet. You know, and, and obviously the number one being that the pitching's so much better, and it is. Yeah. <laughs> Look, when we did the games, when I was doing the games, if somebody threw 92 or 3, that was really hard. Somebody hmm. threw 95, come on. You're throwing 95, and now they're telling you now they throw 98 uh, for the whole inning. They're out there. There's just something about uh, whatever's happened with the pitchers, what they've been able to do with them uh, to increase their velocity and also to increase. And they, you know, they keep talking about their spin rate. There's something to it, you know, whether it's from foreign substances on the ball or whether they've somehow come up with all these um, kinetics and all this stuff where they're teaching pitchers to spin the ball, to spin the ball effectively used to have to be a Steve Carlton to be able to spin the ball so hard that it looked like a fastball coming out of your hand, but it was a slider and then it was too late to adjust to it. The, the normal pitcher could not uh, spin a breaking ball that way or spin his fastball to do the kind of things that they're doing right now. So there has to be something to that. The other thing I hate, and I hated it from day one of the shifts. I just, hmm. uh, I understand why you would do it. And you're crazy if you don't do it because if guys are going to hit in the shifts all the time and then you get the thing, we'll have them bunt. Uh, you don't have big power hitters. That's what the opposition wants you to do. They want you to bunt and then put some big slow guy on first base that takes two hits to score them. That's what they want. But these shifts, I just hope somehow, some way, that they're able to do something about these shifts and eliminate them because I think that would bring more offense back to baseball, even with this pitching the way that it is right now. And sooner or later, they're going to have to have a study on on the on the pitching and why these guys can throw so much hard, so many guys can throw so much harder and spin the ball the way they're able to do right now that they couldn't do before because something's up with that. Bill. Well, yeah, to follow up on that, Chet, what I'd like to throw at Wheels is uh, it, it my, my theory has three points to it. One is he already hit on. Everybody that used to throw low 90s now throws high 90s. Yep. That's one. Two is that the strike zone, they are now calling the high strikes that they weren't calling before. And the third point is this uh, home run or bust uppercut swing that us old timers hate can't <laughs> hit that high pitch. So now we're striking out all the time. Uh, those are my three points to why I feel like pitching is dominating the game. What What's he think about that? Yeah, Bill's saying uh, a couple of things that you said, but also there's the home runner bust philosophy where everybody's taking the big cuts and also the fact that the, the umps seem to be calling more of the high strikes this year. So there are some changes that you know we are noticing, but yeah, I don't get the home runner bust thing. I mean, you're seeing Harper and some of these other guys just swinging like crazy, like they're going to hurt themselves. Maybe it's because of the the fastball pitchers they're facing. I don't know, but 
I don't like it, Wheels. What do they show in every other sport? In football, they show all the all the all the uh, touchdowns and the celebrations in the end zones. You know the the guys that score touchdowns. You know in basketball, it's everybody everybody pointing at each other because they hit a, a shot from forty feet away. <laughs> you know that's it, it. Every sport has changed so much in our lifetimes, and our sport has changed unfortunately with this this uppercut that came in. Um, to try and lo- hit the ball out of the ballpark, and they had the, you know, the balls are probably a little bit juiced there for a while, so they got a lot more home runs with this uppercut swing. Uh, and what that does is, is um, cause guys to swing and miss a lot. And you're talking about high strikes. Well, yeah, that's another thing where you could, you know, make them bring the ball down a little bit in the strike zone, and not because pitchers are recognizing what's happening and they're going to throw the ball up in the letters areas because these guys are going to swing at them. Because they're uh, because they're trying to uppercut all the time. Well, when you try to swing at that pitch, you can't hit that ball the ballpark that often. So yeah, there's a whole different hitting philosophy right now that has come into the game. And you know whether or not you can legislate things through balls and strikes, you have to start that stuff a lot earlier. You know, guys are used to things by the time they get to the big leagues. Um, the other thing uh, that we've we've haven't talked about is the out in baseball. I hear it all the time. Why don't they sacrifice? Why don't they hit the other way? Because the analytics have now convinced every organization that an out, you waste an out when you do those kind of things, and you only get three per inning and 27 per game, um, so you don't waste outs. So that's why you don't see sacrificing. That's why you don't see guys give themselves up and hit the ball the other way. And it does nothing to affect their salaries. At one time you say, well, you know, guys getting hurt by giving himself up with an at-bat, not anymore. And if I hear one more person in our sport say that a strikeout is just an out, (laughs) I just want to scream because it's so untrue. You have a bad defensive team like the Phillies. Yeah. You want to put the ball in play against the Phillies as much as you can because someone may make a mistake. And the other way with the Phillies against a, a poor defensive team, put the ball in play. Maybe somebody makes a mistake. I hate that when I hear that. And it's the one thing that just makes me want to just scream when I hear it. Boy, you got a big smile and a thumbs up from Bill Furman on that one because, <laughs> yeah, he, he agrees with you totally on that front. Uh, Wheels, I know we talked in the past with you about Dick Allen. Uh, I'm actually wearing my Dick Allen Belongs in the Hall of Fame t-shirt right now. I'm hopeful that he will finally get the call in the hall this December, but it's just really sad to me that he won't be there for that induction when it does happen because, of course, we lost him this past December, and that's just a shame. Oh, amen to that. Uh, What a, you know, I've always been a proponent of him uh, because I was lucky enough to not only see him as a fan when I was mesmerized by Richie Allen in those days and the things that he could do at Connie Mack Stadium for us kids that would go to the games, but also by um, the Dick Allen that I got to know when he was a player for us. And then uh, I worked in the organization. I had so many wonderful conversations with him about baseball because Chad, Bill, he loved to talk the game. He and he had an unbelievable mind and memory uh, for things that happened for him, with him as a player. Um, so, and then you analyze his numbers and what he did against the greats in that era. And the thing that still bugs the heck out of me is when I hear this thing from these people that speak up against him, I have no clue that he was a bad guy in the clubhouse. So untrue. And if any, half that team wanted to punch Frank Thomas in the mouth, and he was the only one that finally did it. <laughs> I know that. I know that from knowing those guys later on that told me about how the things that Frank Thomas was saying to, to, to Dick back in those days. Uh, you know, they 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 looked back on it and said we should have taken care of that and not make him, made him do it himself. And then you know he, he got ostracized during some tough Rachel times in Philadelphia that they sided with Frank Thomas. So all those things factored against him. You'll never hear players that played with him say he was a bad teammate, ever. Bill, one more question for Chris. Yeah, uh, Wills, it's uh, almost June. You're still in Florida. How's your golf game? (laughs) He wants to know how your golf game is, Wills. Oh, it's pretty good right now for me. Uh, I just just want to – I got to tell you, I just came back from two 
two and a half days, three days over in Port St. Lucie with a couple of high school buddies of mine um, that have been trying to get me to come over there. They've retired and are living over in that area on the East Coast. Wanted to play golf, and one of them was a really, really good player at one time. And he says, you know, he's come back to the pack, but he couldn't wait to get me over there and, and, and get me. Well, I got him. <laughs> <laughs> so it was really fun. Hey, I'm a 15 index, and I play to it, and I, I really enjoy the sport a lot. I'm 75, I'll be 76 this year. <laughs> um, you, you know, you hit it out there in the fairway a decent distance and make some shots and get up and down, and you can really enjoy it. But it's it's a sport for a lifetime, and I love it. Chris, I have, I have one final question for you. We never actually brought this up on our show with you, but can you tell our viewers and listeners how you made your broadcast booth debut back in 1976? You have time for that, huh? Yep. <laughs> it, it, it's, a, it's an unbelievable story, and it's true. Um, so we're playing the Montreal Expos in 1976 in September in a doubleheader. So we win the first game. Uh, the Phillies are champions. At that time, it was just the East. Uh, and you would go on to play the West and then see who went to the World Series. So mm -hmm. if you win the first game of the doubleheader, we won our first championship since 1950. Um, we win the first game of the doubleheader. Between games, you have the, the stuff that you see. Uh, it, it was the same. Champagne, all this stuff spraying all over the place. Well, you got to do another game. It's never been done before. It, it hasn't happened since. So we go up to do the game and, you know, get dried off. And Harry and Whitey tried to avoid as much of that as they could because, they, you know, they, they still had to stay in their dress clothes and all that. I could care less. I got all soaked and everything. So I go up there in about second or third, fourth inning. I can't remember what it was. I'd always hung out in the booth with those guys because I love the broadcasting part of it. And I walk in and Whitey says, here comes that Chris Wheeler. He's the guy that screws up all the newsy notes, makes us sound bad. You know, he do that old shtick on me <laughs> like I was some idiot. But he's always wanted to be on the air. Well, why don't we do it right now? Chad, Bill, he gets up, he takes the headset off, and I sit down, and I think, you got to be kidding me. Well, I'm thinking, I'm never doing this again. I'm going to have the time of my life. So we, I, I get to do a couple innings with the great Harry. Uh, and I'm having some fun talking about this, that, and the other thing that I would do later on for 37 years. Unbeknownst to me, our broadcast is going into the box next door where John McHale, the president of the Expos, is sitting with Bill Giles. And John says, Bill, who's that broadcaster of yours? And Bill says, John, he's one of our PR guys, and I have no idea what the hell he's doing. <laughs> and, and John McHale, because he and I talked about it many times, John McHale said to Bill, Bill, He's pretty good. He really knows the game. And Bill says, you know, he does. Well, that year in 76, Bai had re retired. Bai Salmon retired. Andy Musser was doing the games alone on radio when the other two guys were on television. They figured they needed some guy to work with him the next year when the games were televised. Uh, Giles said to himself, hey, I got wheels here. I don't have to pay him any more money. He goes on every road trip. What the heck? Let's throw him the hell in there and see what happens. 37 years later, I was still doing it. I always say, guys, if we'd have lost the first game of the doubleheader, I don't know that I'd ever, ever been able to have that opportunity. Wow. What, what a great, great story. story. Chris, this was a blast. Uh, sorry about the technical issue. Sorry, I'm not smart enough to figure out how we could have uh, made it better. But uh, anyway, thanks for joining us, and I hope to see you sometime at the ballpark this summer. Next time you figure out about Chrome, Safari, and all that <laughs> stuff, and tell me how to do it, I'll uh, – We'll figure it because I've done other Zoom things, uh, and I guess I did it on Safari, but yeah, I did it on Chrome, and I have no idea what that could do. It's all good. Thanks, Chris. Stay okay, well. Nice. Bye bye. Bill, my all right. Thanks, you. Wheels. See ya. All right. Hey, Chet. Good stuff. We 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 got through it there. So maybe. Wait. Now I'm tangled up. Yeah. Yes, I we figured I, it out. We got we got through it. Uh, you know, you muted. You went mute for a while on us. You know, I know. <laughs> uh, hey, you uh, got through it. Wheels, wheels is good stuff. As uh, that, was a, that was a great story, wasn't it? Yes, it was. All right. Hey, Chet, if your couch is getting more mileage than you are, uh, 
I believe it probably is, than your car. <laughs> it's time to start saving with Allstate's pay-as-you-go auto insurance. Yes, indeed, Bill. Allstate's pay-as-you-go auto insurance puts you in control. You only pay for the miles you drive with the same full coverage that a traditional policy offers. Pay-per-mile insurance gives customers greater control of their insurance costs. See how much you can save with pay-per-mile car insurance by calling your local agent. In Westchester, Pennsylvania, that, of course, is Dave Lavoy. Call Dave at 610-430-0700. Once again, the number 610 430 700 and start to save more now that you are driving less. And now, Bill, the guy whom I'll be seeing this Saturday night at the Ardmore Music Hall, and of course, the great Willie Nile. Hey, everybody, it's Willie Nile here, and you're listening to Chet and Bill on Philly Press Box Radio. You lucky people. And you know, Bill, I mentioned Willie uh, this Saturday, and uh, there he is. A few tickets do remain for Willie Niles' Saturday night show at the Ardmore Music Hall. And that's a great little place. I've only been there, I think, twice in my life. The last time was about two years ago. So looking forward to seeing good old Willie this Saturday night. Good stuff. Hey, hey Chet, one more point on the Phillies and, and uh, seeing old friends. It's good to hear Dan Baker back in the box in the games that uh, or back in the booth. And the game's back at Citizens Bank Park. Uh, have you noticed that Dan is back? Oh, yeah. I, I noticed that he's back. And, uh, you know, he does a show most Mondays with uh, Greg Lazinski, the Bull. They call it a Bull Session. Yeah. And they have guests each week. And I try to watch it, actually, while I'm doing my work. So uh, it's good to see Dan. I'm good to hear him back in the booth, especially when, you know, they're doing the games from Citizens Bank Park. You know that voice all the time. Absolutely. Good stuff. Hey, Chet, we uh, we talked about the Sixers a little bit while you were gone. Uh, big three was great on Sunday. Tobias Harris leading the way. A great game from Embiid. Great game from Simmons. Uh, but the but the Philadelphia faithful, dog and Ben Simmons, dog and Tobias Harris a little bit about having only two assists. What is going on <laughs> with all that? And um, tonight, Sixers look like they're off to a pretty nice start. Yeah, I don't know what's going on tonight, but uh, I know the other. I think that the Tobias thing had to be a joke. The guy scored 37 points, 28 in the first half, and he carried them. As for Ben Simmons, he is just one of these guys who's going to have people who love him and people who hate him, kind of like, you know, Don McNabb and some of the other stars we've had in Philly. Ben had 15 points or 15 assists and 15 rebounds, but only six points. So people are, you know, all over him for that. They want him to be a complete player. They want him to take jump shots. As you noted, he was 0 for 6 from the foul line, and that is unacceptable. A guy's got to be able to shoot free throws. And he had been doing a lot better during the season. Then he kind of trailed off at the end, and he was dreadful on that end of things the other day. So uh, he's got to get better in that, and I want to see more aggressive. You didn't mention his defense. The defense is always great. Right. Always great. So, yeah, but people are never going to be totally satisfied with Ben Simmons. And uh, if they win a title, I think they'll forgive him. Well, I tell you what, if he'd had 15 points to go with those 15 rebounds, 15 assists, a great defense, I'm, I'm not sure that would still have been enough. <laughs> oh, yeah. Even the times he gets a triple-double, people will say, yeah, but it was only 11 points. So that's not really a true triple-double. It is, but I get the point. Right. Uh, <sighs> 35-24 Sixers at the end of one. Okay. I think they were favored by like eight and a half tonight. And uh, I, I think they'll win it. I think they're going to lose game three down in Landover, but win the series in five. That's my prediction. Yeah. Uh, what do you, what'd you think uh, about the decision to bring Pat Croce back to ring the bell tonight? That was a, uh... That was a cool choice. I wish I would have seen it. He's been all over the place lately, back in the area, I guess. He uh, did one of those Tell Us Your Story things with Glenn and Ray a couple of weeks back. They had him on uh, WIP again today. He was on with Mike Missanelli on 97.5 a week or so back. So he's been making the rounds. And, yeah, i got to see the highlight of that because he promised he was going to maybe put another crack in that bell when he hit it tonight. So what a great guy, just so positive. And, you know, he's got the memories from 20 years ago with the run with AI and great to see him back in town. Yeah. Uh, so let's jump back to, to Sunday's game and, and Tobias Harris, uh, Tobias Harris. Were you, were you surprised that uh, not that he played so well, but that he kind of took the lead in that game? Uh, a little bit. Yeah. You don't expect that, but, you got to remember, Simmons is just not a guy who's going to do it. And Embiid got an early foul trouble. A couple of early fouls, three fouls in the first half. They weren't necessarily great calls by the refs. but So somebody had to take charge. And Tobias can do that. And as we've noticed 
uh, noticed noted previously he has played much better under Doc Rivers than he did under Brett Brown. So it's good to see. And uh, I like Tobias. I think he's a good guy and he can definitely step up his game on occasion. And he did it Sunday and they needed him. Hey, how about an update for you since we're talking Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris? First quarter stats, Ben Simmons, 12 points, five rebounds, one assist. Whoa. Tobias, eight eight points, one rebound, and B, just two and two. 12 points for Simmons in the first quarter? Is that a misprint? Six for eight from the field, 12 points, five (laughs) rebounds in nine minutes. We got to end the show now, but I got to go watch basketball. (laughs) (laughs) He might not get 12 points the rest of the game, but he's got 12 points in the first. Hey, I don't care. As long as they win. Yeah, we'll we'll see how it goes. All right. uh, This is a big game, I think. They they go up 2 nothing. This series is where you want it to be. Yeah, I'm not too worried about this series. Uh, I think they'll win this one in five. Like I said, I think they'll win the next one against either the Knicks or Hawks in five also. So uh, it'll get tougher after that if they yeah. play the Nets or Bucks, of course. Uh, absolutely. All right, Chet, let's give a shout out to all the shows over at the Edge of Philly Sports Network, which we are part of. Birds IQ every Monday, 7 p.m. with Kyle and Eric Quinn talking Eagles football. Edge of Philly Sports Live with Joe, Freddie, Big Al. They cover four for four and so much more Philly sports. That's live tonight, every Wednesday, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Check that out. Join Tom Kelly and the gang at Patterson Avenue Fanatics Saturday mornings at 9 a.m. They, too, talking all things Philly sports. And, uh, Chet, we didn't get to see it because we were getting ready for our show, but our man Freddie did a uh, – Sixers preview, pregame preview tonight at 6.30, and I believe they're going to be doing more of that. That was uh, that was a pretty good setup, so that would be pretty good. Yeah, Freddie and Paul Spencer, one of the, the newcomers to EOP, yes. did the show. He's a good guy, and uh, I know Freddie loves talking basketball. The Sixers yes, is a huge fan, so I'm sure they killed it. Yep. Well, you can check out all the shows at www.eopsports.com. Help us out by hitting those subscribe, follow, and like buttons, and as always, share with your friends and family. Don't forget to sign up for the weekly EOP newsletter that arrives each Friday by email. Check, I believe we were video of the week last week or something. Wow, we must have done something right. It's like being the employee of the week at Wendy's, I guess. You know, it's a nice honor. (laughs) Did you hear a bell? I think I did. Is it random (laughs) chat time? Uh, it, It is, and I'll tell you, after all the technical difficulties, I needed a brewski, so I'm good. Let's talk a little uh, music yet again, Bill. You heard the bell, and so, yeah, we got to do it. Here we go. Yes, indeed. It's springtime, Bill, and I do like spring, but I got to tell you, even though it can get hot, very hot, I love summer. Baseball, the pool, the beach, bikinis. Hey, why not? And, you know, hanging outside by the pool with a frosty beverage or two and some great summer music. Speaking of summer music, well, Believe it or not, there are some 300 songs with summer or summertime in the title. Trust me, I ran analytics on that. Yeah, there are some decent ones like this one from Elvis Costello. There are some dreadful ones, too. For example, the Beach Boys, Summer of Love. It's a love thing. Yikes. I somehow did manage to pick 45 listenable summer songs. Some you may know, many you probably don't. As far as uh, those on the honorable mention portion of a list, you can see here in the video 15 honorable mention tunes with summer or summertime, and then 20 more that I ranked numbers 11 through 30. Lots of real good ones, but not quite wonderful enough to make my top 10. Here's what I do consider to be the absolute cream of the crop in terms of songs with summer or summertime in the title. Number 10 is an underrated 1968 gem from Johnny Rivers called Summer Rain. At number 9, then, a fun tune from 1970 by the band Mungo Jerry that I still love to this day. In the summertime when the weather is high, you can stretch right up and touch the sky. When the weather's fine, you got women, you got women on your mind. Seals and Crofts early 70s hit Summer Breeze comes in at number eight. Then Don Henley holds down number seven with The Boys of Summer. 
Sixth, The Summer of 69 by Brian Adams. What a great song that is. All right. The top five. And first up is the most recent song on this list in terms of, you know, my favorites. It's a big 2008 hit by Kid Rock called All Summer Long, which borrows from both Sweet Home Alabama and Werewolves of London. Sipping whiskey out the bottle, not thinking about tomorrow. Singing Sweet Home Alabama all summer long. Number four, Old Blue Eyes, Frank Sinatra, the classic summer wind. You know that had to be high on the list, right? Number three, the great Sly and the Family Stone smash, hot fun in the summertime. All right, there are great versions of summertime blues out there, a lot of them by a lot of different artists. But the very best, if you ask me, is the one by The Who from Live at Leeds, and that one sits at number two, Summertime Blues. And finally, the number one summer song, in this guy's humble opinion anyway, a classic that came out 55 years ago this summer by A Lovin' Spoonful. Hot town, summer in the city, back of my neck getting dirty and gritty. Bend down, isn't it a pity? Doesn't seem to be a shadow in the city. And there you have it, Bill. So as I put up a graphic of my top 10, how does my list look look to you? What do you think? Well, I, I kind of like it. Uh, a couple things that came to my mind uh, until you got to the Love and Spoonful there was Mungo Jerry's sideburns. Uh, but Love and Spoonful had the same. <laughs> uh, I guess that was a thing that I forgot. Uh, probably a good thing I forgot. Uh, and where else do you get a list yet? But Philly Press Box Radio that goes from Kid Rock to Frank Sinatra in just a breath. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of summer songs, man, and it, there's it's it's all inclusive. A lot of a lot of great artists on there of all types. Yeah, yeah, good good list, good good fun stuff. All good music too. All right, thank Those you. Those were the days, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. I love summer tunes. That's right. All right, hey, uh, Chet. We talked a few minutes while you were gone about uh, the Eagles and Nick Sirianni's camp and how things some good news coming out of the Novacare complex, but. The one thing I didn't mention, I was kind of saving it for you. Howie Roseman keeps adding pieces. Uh, we don't know what kind of pieces these are going to turn out being, but he's picking up free agents, uh, guys that were somewhat high draft picks back when they were when they were picked. What do you make of uh, the tinkering being done by Howie Roseman at this point? Well, it's just that it's tinkering. We don't know, you know, if any of these guys are going to make a huge difference. It's, uh, you know, depth guys for the defensive line. It's, you know, second string cornerbacks. I still have a lot of issues about the secondary. Uh, it's all going to come down to, you know, guys staying healthy, especially on the offensive line and finding, you know, one or two DBs who can actually play. Darius Slay is back there and he didn't even have a great year in his first year with the Eagles. So, they got some concerns back there. I still don't get why there's so much optimism about the Eagles from a lot of some fans and even a lot of uh, media people, as we discussed last week. I just don't get it. Did you mention Brandon Graham at the top, how he's comparing it to the Andy Reid thing? Yes, we did. Yep. I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't see it. And speaking of Brandon Graham, is it true that he's the second longest tenured athlete in Philly now behind Claude Giroux? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, I would that would make sense. And then yeah, he came in 2010 and then Kelsey was a year later. So Right. <sighs> yeah, because he was uh, you know, when I did when I did that list of guys that were here when we started. Yeah. Yeah. Brandon Graham was certainly on that list along with Fletcher Cox and Zach Ertz and Lane Johnson and Kelsey. So yeah, Graham is uh, the senior guy. And speaking of Zach Ertz, we still wait to see what happens to Zach. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's you know it's going Next to be week. interesting. And and again, Chad, I think uh, the funny thing because I'm on the fickle Philly fans here this week with the with Tobias and Ben Simmons dogging those guys we're getting. Um, now Howie Roseman is all of a sudden a genius again with the draft because the fans love the draft and Howie we trust. We're tinkering. We're making all these great moves. Everything he does, he can sign you, and the fans would think it was good. Um, you know, that'll all change a little bit later, I'm sure. But uh, fickle fans we have here, and that's why there's optimism, I feel like. Yeah, I'm not ready to return Howie to genius status just yet. <laughs> I'm going to have to see how they actually look on the field this fall. Might, might need another Lombardi, you think? Uh, yeah, or, or at least a playoff contender. <laughs> that's right. All right. Hey, Chad, great guest tonight, as always, in Chris Wheeler. I uh, wish we could have got a little better audio on him, but it's all good. Who do we have coming next week to Philly Press Box Radio? 
You know what's funny? Uh, I added some things to our little uh, brand thingamabob, and I'm not seeing now, so I don't know. But I do know who the guest is, so that's the good thing. <laughs> um, hopefully the Sixers by next Wednesday will have swept out the Wizards. It may go five, and if so, they'll be playing next Wednesday night. And if that is the case, I may have to pre-tape this interview because we got a guest with the guy who's going to talk about everything there is to talk about with the 76ers and the Eagles. He's one of our favorite guys, but we haven't had him on the show since June of last year, believe it or not. So it's just about a full year. And that, of course, is Tom Moore, her old pal from Calton's Media and the Bucks County Courier Times and whatever it's called these days. So Tom Moore joining us to talk about all things Philly sports. Uh, Tom is always good because he does talk all things. We can go out, we can go all over the map with him. That's good. So if the Sixers sweep, he'll probably be live with us Wednesday, but if they're playing Wednesday night, he'll likely have to pre-tape on Tuesday night, but we'll have Tom Moore either way. Sounds good. Hey, Chet, uh, we mentioned Phil Mickelson in the open. He become the oldest player to win a masters or a, a major at the age of 50 on Sunday, dominating fashion and Chet NASCAR. Yes, I said NASCAR on Philly Press Box Radio. Kid Rock, Frank Sinatra, Love and Spoonful, NASCAR. All on Philly Press Box Radio tonight. They ran a road race in Austin, Texas for the first time, Chet, in a rainstorm. Did you watch either one of these events? I got to be honest. I knew nothing about the NASCAR event, so I didn't watch it. I, I somehow completely missed it. Sorry, Denny. Uh, now for Phil Mickelson. I just wanted to mention, I wanted to watch the final round on Sunday, but I had a lot going on. I didn't get to see it. I actually turned on CBS right as they were signing off at like 720 or whatever on Sunday night. But I was happy for Phil. I'm sure CBS is pretty happy too because uh, they peaked at around 13 million viewers during the last half hour or so of the event. They averaged 6.6 million for the final round. And that gave CBS its most highly rated day of golf in three years. So the network's happy, and I'm sorry I missed it. Yeah, it, it was good. And uh, uh, a nice tweet from Tiger Woods of uh, congratulations to Phil Mickelson. That's cool. And Jim Nance, uh, you know, he he came up with one of those iconic, uh, however, broadcasters that do games come up with them and uh, about Phil outlast of father time, just, just as the ball dropped in the cup. <laughs> That's nice. Yeah, I'm happy for Phil. That's six majors for him, and uh, you don't expect to do that after age you know, 45, 46, 48, but he did it at age 50. He did. Good stuff. And, and speaking of the NASCAR, because I have to say this because I watched a little bit of it, uh, it was kind of cool, Chet. It was, uh, it was a road race course. It was pouring rain. They actually had a windshield wiper, one single wiper, <laughs> on the NASCAR cars, and the cars were hydroplaning all over the place. It, it was it was eventful, to say the least. It was pretty cool. I did watch the American Idol finale on Sunday night. I'm not ashamed to admit that. Uh, you should be. You should be. <laughs> uh, and, and I have to say, unless you're going to get to it, I am disappointed that you missed a birthday today, my friend. Oh, I didn't miss it, Bill. We'll okay. get to that. All right. Well, let's give a shout out to our friends over at the PPCC 118 Raz Room. They post great sports memorabilia on their Facebook page for people to take a chance to win something they may not be able to afford or have access to. All items come with certificates of authenticity. They've continued to run out great autographed memorabilia from all the Philly teams and more. They have 11 line razzes, mystery boxes, and a memorabilia shop. Check out their Facebook page. Like them or follow them. It's PPCC 118 Raz Room and PPCC 118 Raz Room Shop on Facebook. Well, Chet. Yeah, Bill, you know, before we get to that, let me just say something here. Uh, I got to tell you, I used to have dreams, dreams about a pretty young woman on Where the edge of 17. Yeah, she was young, but she was also a lady. She was a gold dust woman. She was a nightbird who wore leather and lace. I approached her, but she said, stand back. Beware the landslide. Was her name Sarah? Was it Rhiannon? No, no. This white-winged dove's name was, in fact, Stevie Nicks. And, yes, Stevie Nicks is still beautiful, and she is 73 today. So happy birthday, Stevie Nicks. The I black, didn't forget. The black magic woman. 
Yeah, <laughs> I did not forget Stevie Nicks' birthday. Hey, I saw, I did see a, uh, as I look back here, if I see if I can find this real quick, Jet, there was a comment that was made, uh, that I wanted to share with you. Here you go. We have a, one of our viewers left this for you, Mr. Chesco. <laughs> no, I would not. I mean, if, if they're going to sing to me, maybe I'd take Stevie, but no, she's, she's no Kate Beckinsale. Otherwise, sorry. Well, big John, <laughs> now, you know, now, you know, <laughs> All right, Jet. Uh, you have a parting shot tonight, or was that it? I don't have a parting shot. Just some other random things we didn't get to. Wayne Gretzky going to be a studio analyst doing hockey on the new TNT hockey coverage, so that'll be interesting. Joe West with a milestone. He is now the uh, busiest, most prolific umpire. I don't know what you call it, but he's umpired more games than anybody. Cowboy Joe West. He's been around forever. Um, speaking of guys who's been around, who have been around forever, Bob Dylan turned 80 the other day. I was never a huge fan, but I got to give the guy props. He wrote some amazing tunes, especially back in the sixties that people still enjoy and listen to today. And another guy who's been around forever. I can't believe he's going to finally hang up the microphone. And that is Marv Albert who's calling it quits after this year's NBA postseason. So, uh, Marv, all the best. Yeah, uh, good, good stuff. And uh, I think John Roberts said, sent another note and said today was Brent Musburger's birthday today. As well. I did not know that. Another legendary broadcaster. Yeah, yeah. Well, good stuff, Chet. Um, One other question for you, Bill. Yeah. I know you're probably excited about this, but uh, I got to ask, are you going to watch on HBO Max the big Friends reunion that debuts tomorrow on HBO Max? Friends, they recorded it about two weeks ago. The original six cast members. No. Is it going to be like an interview thing? Just so yeah, it's mostly an interview thing, and uh, I think they're going to like reenact some scenes and have clips from guests and stuff. I don't know what it's all about, but it's going to be interesting, and it's going to be big numbers for HBO Max. And of course, I'll be watching. Yeah, I I wouldn't have any problem watching that if I'm okay. sitting around with, you know, no ball. Yeah, it's, it's on that. whenever. You don't even have to watch it at yeah, a specific yeah. time. It's going to be there, you know, for weeks and weeks and months. Yeah, I'll, I'll be okay with that. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not going to set my clock or anything. But I mean, hey, Jennifer Aniston still looks pretty darn good. Let's just say that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's okay. That's all I got. Wrap it up, Bill. All right. Let's wrap it up. <laughs> let's thank our sponsors to our special guest, Chris Wheeler, and our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's like your age.com, PPCC 118 Raz Room, and Dave LaVoy of Allstate Insurance in Westchester. For Jim Chechesco, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, June, Chet. June 2nd already. And it will be after Memorial Day, so you will probably have a few uh, story cocktail stories to tell <laughs> next Wednesday. So yes, join indeed. us for that at 7 p.m. on June 2nd. You can see us live on Facebook or listen to our website, phillypressboxradio.com, on blogtalkradio.com slash phillypressboxradio, on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and all the others. So high hopes, Philadelphia sports fans, and go Sixers. By the way, Chet. Sixers up six. Hmm. Interesting. 613 to go in the second. Ben Simmons, 14 points, five rebounds. Oh, Sixers. Uh -huh.